Shroom for Two, Episode 26, Kabloom Goes the Dynamite. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 26 of Shroom for Two. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. And happy almost end of Season 9, I believe? Yeah, Season 9. Happy almost end of season, everybody, and happy first day of spring from snowy, snowy Philadelphia. Yeah, thoughts and prayers to everyone on every coast of the country for in, the everyone bizarre in weather now. they're getting high on right now. Um, I'm not so much high as uh, off of work because it's so snowy, but, uh, you know, little snow never hurt anybody, I guess. Meanwhile, in the middle of the country, it's 40 degrees and the sun's still out, so... Feeling kind of good on that for once. Nice. Suddenly, Philadelphia is less snowy than Michigan. Yeah. I'm looking at the reward list for the end of season and looking at the badges we're getting coming up. And the icon is now way larger than the badge itself. So every badge looks pretty much the same except for a little something peeking out of the corner underneath (laughs) a gigantic Easter egg. That's pretty funny. Hey, at least least it looks like it's uh, on center this time. That is true. Uh, Okay, so we're going to start with some follow-up from a previous episode. Um, Last week we talked about Sir F and Justini's event card tier lists, and we just uh, didn't really go into enough detail, according to some people in the comments, and they wanted wanted to hear us talk more about that. So we are back to talk a little bit more about it. To start, I think that there's really no disagreement that I've got with any of the the sort of qualifications for what the tiers mean, you know, they, they seem to map pretty cleanly onto like how much support does this require? How many decks does it go into? And, you know, if I was to rank event cards by some kind of metric, that's the metric I would choose. When a tier list comes out, everyone's first reaction is to find whichever fave or hate fave of theirs is, is ranked in the wrong one and, and post about their uh, disagreement with the list creator and, I didn't want to do that for the show, just to come out like, oh yeah, here's this thing that uh, some hardworking people made on. Here's all the ways they're wrong. But if yeah. that's what our listeners want to hear, then Leprechaun Imp, get the hell out of A tier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Leprechaun Imp is definitely a lot less good than it used to be. I mean, I, I think it really doesn't require any support. It's pretty much all upside to play it, and it's not like Imp isn't one of the best tribes. So, so it, it does get high grades for that reason. But, you know, one of the things that causes event cards to take a hit on this list is is randomness, a higher degree of randomness. Yep. And um, effectively, the the degree of randomness associated with Leprechaun and Amp went up dramatically when it only shuffled in one pot of gold. Yeah, it's like I've got a, you know, the, one out of the 35 cards in my deck is now different. And if I pull it, it's awesome. But if not, then I just played a 2-2. Yeah, and, and like I was saying, one mana 2-2 Imp is like definitely not... The end of the world, you know, still gets deadly from Toxic Waste Imp and still blah, blah, blah. But I think that it, eight tiers may be a little bit too high for that. Similarly, I am of the opinion that Trick or Treater is one of the more powerful and consistent engine cards in the Brainy class. Um, it really only requires you to be playing tricks in your deck, and it really doesn't need anywhere near as much support as Trickster itself, because... You know, there's plenty of tricks you're going to want to play. You're like most likely if you're doing a mid-rangey thing, Trick or Treater is a very mid-rangey creature. You're going to be playing removal spells or something. You're going to want to play it and be able to protect it anyway. And it also gives fuel to itself. And so, you know, maybe it's not 
It doesn't have the raw power level of something like a defensive end or a zombology teacher, but it itself is kind of a self-contained engine that I think would merit a higher ranking than D. It, it's like it's it's right ne- it's right there next to Stupid Cupid. You know what I mean? Like certainly it's way way better than Stupid Cupid. Yeah, a, a lot of these judgments are based on okay, who is this guy sharing a classroom with, and you know whether or not that's uh, that's deserved or not. And I think Sneezing Zombie has been enough of a shake him up to get bumped up to A tier because, you know, not only does it completely shut down any kind of healing deck, it also can wipe out a field of mushrooms really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think doing those things together is enough for it to have a strong impact on the meta. Yeah, that's kind of the X factor associated with all this is that this is based around like whatever's position in the current meta, especially when you go to the plant side, there's a lot of a lot of cards that are just kind of low rates that are down in the F tier. And so like Plucky Clover and Red Stinger and stuff. And, you know, those are, you know, surely outclassed by many, many things just on rate. But um, when you look at some of the things in the D tier for both the plants and the zombies, a lot of those cards are quite good rate. They're just narrow as defined by the people making these criteria. And so I think that the rate, like certainly the stats are not super awesome on Trick or Treater, but the rate in terms of the spells you get from it, Sugary Treat and Healthy Treat, are quite good. And the the rate that you're getting from a card like Banana Split is still pretty okay. Um, like I think the, 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 the damage gets done to banana split because if you have a full board, you don't get the stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's a little bit narrower in that way, but your kind of arbitrary call about how well-suited something is to the meta is kind of necessarily very anecdotal. And so there's a lot of room for like, I just don't like this card. And so I rated it low. There's also some, there's another card out there that just does this, but better aspect to it in that like, Sunshroom, the you know two mana zero two is pretty much worse in all ways than the twin sunflower, which gives you two sun right away and also has flower synergy. And right. uh, one card that I'm surprised didn't get affected by that is the blooming heart, which is still up in A tier. And I didn't know we were doing that still with blooming heart. I honestly thought that blooming heart kind of got replaced by the velociradish, the cheap little one mana common. That gets a uh, gets mm. extra attack per dino di- roar. Dino roar plus attack. Yeah, um, you could you could like plot on a graph the like average damage on turns one through n for an uncontested blooming heart versus an uncontested um, velociradish, and you'd probably see like if you're drawing one card a turn, then blooming heart is higher. Um, I think the reasoning for blooming heart being great is that again it it requires absolutely no support um and it's like a fine turn one play whereas a lot of one mana creatures kind of aren't great one turn plays like high voltage current so it seems like by rating blooming heart very high they're saying that aggressive decks are extremely strong um and as such a versatile aggressive card is like some place that you want to be in the metagame right now and you know, I guess I agree with that, but it's it's um, it is kind of measured against what's going on in the booster sets that are happening in parallel with these events. And for that reason, I would probably also buff uh, Forget Me Nuts up a tier, up to A tier, because it gets in the way of what Professor Brainstorm wants to do on turn one, and yeah. I think that's really big. And 
It's especially dangerous if you happen to get multiple of them in your hand and you can just keep stacking that curve and making those tricks even harder to play. Like, I, I think that is a really good card to just splash into most Guardian decks. And, um, like, you know, a lot of these B-tier cards, I could make a case for being A-tier. Like, you know, I love Grizzly Pear Cup. That is very well documented. And yeah. I'm very happy to see uh, uh, Toadstool up in B-tier, because that has been a card that was overlooked for a long time that I was always very high on. But I didn't think I saw that same... Uh, enthusiasm return from you know people like fry him up and such and i'm glad that uh that sora and justini agree and gave toadstool the props that it deserves on a similar note i'm slightly disappointed to see mayflower in b because mayflower it seems to me is just kind of a mid-rangey card that draws cards and with enough like it, it draws cards out of a not-so-relevant tribe, and it just seems like kind of a definition of a C in that it's like a roll-filler that could really be anything in your deck, and like its benefit is that you, you're triggering Dino Roar and you're drawing some cards for late game. Whereas a card like Go Nuts, to me, is a very powerful card, it is narrow in that it requires team-up stuff to happen, but there is tribal differentiation, differentiation within team-up, and it is, it's capable of turning a game that you're slightly winning into a game that you're really winning, which is um, something that I've come back to a bunch as a very powerful thing for card to do. And so, you know, I think that maybe uh, Go Nuts took a hit because of its kind of mechanical narrowness um, at the expense of its raw power. And I would have probably swapped those two. One card that I am really torn about is the, the Health Nut. Because I, I love that card. I think it is yeah. a really good aggro card, a good tempo card. But it loses a lot of value as soon as you drive it off the lot. Like, it's really at its best that first turn or, you know, as a, a card that just goes face all the time. And, you know, it, of course, it's very it's a very high cost to lose that to a, to a Rolling Stone. But at the same sure. time it should not be next to Transfiguration, in my opinion. It's hard to evaluate, because it's it's not... It's worse than a 3-mana 4-4, but it's kind of like a 3-mana 4-4 that when it dies, you get a 1-1. You know, because when it... If you if you put a 3-3 in front of it, it'll kill the 3-3, and it gets replaced with a 1-1. So it's, it's more like a... It's more like a 4-2 that gets replaced yeah. with a 1-1 when it dies. Or a... Yeah, and, or a 2-2. Two, two. Sure. Um, but, like, you know, it, it, it leaves a token behind, is what I'm saying. And so those are good, but the reason that those are so good is because they always leave a token behind. Like, if if your pair cub dies to a removal spell, let's let's imagine the pair cub that's backwards. You have a 5-4 that turns into a 1-1. One, one. If that 5-4 dies to a removal spell, you still get the weenie. Whereas if your um, health nuts dies to removal spell you don't get the token back so it's like it's like an existing thing but has downside is like a way to is a way to describe it you kind of get an above rate creature but it that above rate creature also kind of fights below its weight class in in ways that creatures need to be good at being resilient like to a removal spell or to um creatures at their same cost that could also be part of it like a lot of why i was drawn to health nut and evangelized it was that it was a something that could face a Stompin' on turn three, and Stompin' on oh, turn sure. three is not a thing anymore. Right, sure, sure. 
Um, I don't I don't really have any gripes with um, the only S tier zombie card being going viral because going viral is just so insane that um, it's really hard for me to argue. And, and really everything beneath that does either have some associated downside or is narrow. The closest thing I would think that's in the A tier on the zombie list that could go up into S tier is Fire Rooster. Because Fire Rooster just does so many things and is very, like, it's very good at protecting itself. But it does, like, it is kind of a, a bad card to draw in the late game. It is kind of, you do ultimately have an opportunity cost for putting it in your, de- in your deck because there are cases where it's not good. But going viral is, it's kind of like Sunstrike, except with all the downside of it removed. Like, you always draw a good card because your deck only has good cards in it. It leaves a lasting buff on the field, which um, Sunstrike doesn't do. It's one cheaper, and... Um, it keeps your stuff alive. It keeps your stuff alive. And so, you know, like, there's there's basically no downside to that, except that it requires creatures. And, you know, like, a spell that requires creatures, like, if you don't have creatures, you're losing. So that's not really that big of a deal. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I do broadly agree with what's going on in these lists, which is why I didn't feel too compelled to pick nits. You know, I might maybe... Um, bumped Lily of the Valley down a tier. I might have maybe bumped um, Pear Cub up a tier. And I think, you know, that maybe they're a little too unfair to um, cards like Electric Blueberry. Whereas, like, I could I could totally swap um, Electric Blueberry and Snake in the Grass and, and not lose any sleep over it. Like, Snake in the Grass is just kind of bad. Whereas Electric Blueberry, like, could be good. I have some gripes with the sort of around the margins like that. But broadly speaking, I think these are very good uh, lists. I would make a case for Regifting Zombie to be S-tier, because I feel like I can't remember the last time I saw a Brainy deck that wasn't running Regifting Zombie. Like, it just feels like one of those things you're always going to run into if you're playing a hero of that color. And, like, you know, sure, it has that drawback of your opponent also gets to draw cards, but it feels like the consensus is, okay, whatever, I'm willing to take that risk because the upside of me drawing two cards and having a you know, a really strong body on curve is worth that. Yeah, agreed. It it does give a pretty demonstrable benefit to your opponent, but, like, there's so many ways to mitigate that that, like, ultimately just who cares. I might move Turkey Rider to F tier because I hate it. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I think, like, so there's, um, there's, like, a list of cards that changed in between the previous versions. I didn't even know there were previous versions, but um, Turkey Rider was, according to Sura F, uh, moved from F to D, because um leftovers became a pet card that and i mean i would have said that um additionally dino roar adds some more equity to that you know um but it's i i do agree that like turkey rider is probably like a d minus you know what i mean whereas yeah. like the difference between a d minus and an f is like not super uh, significant I mean, the the solution to dino roar and pet leftovers being a thing now is just don't kill it in my opinion, like, yeah. that's always been my way to deal with the Turkey Rider when I see it, is just to let it continue to attack me and not bother killing it. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, that is the downside to those, like, Death Rattle-type creatures, is that if you just don't, if you don't care about them, then their Death Rattle never happens. Yeah, because then, haha, I tricked you into playing a 2-2 on turn 2 instead of turn 1. Yeah. But yeah, thanks again to Sarah F. and Justini for putting these cool lists together. There's another list that I think we're not going to have time to talk about this week, um, which is from uh, Fugers and Weasel. It's the same kind of thing, but for the cards in set three and four. For the zombie cards. 
Yeah, for zombie cards. Um, and, you know, so it's like Quick Draw Con Man is S tier and, you know, Leftovers is F tier and all that business. And we'll link it in the show notes. We might talk about it later. I think there's probably a lot more in this that I disagree with than in the event card lists. But, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to do this show and I don't think we're going to have time to do it. So uh, take a peek at it. Yeah, when I saw that thread get posted earlier today, it had like eight likes and 30 replies, which is like the, 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 the ratio of the Twitter ratio. Yeah, it's getting ratioed right now. Yeah, but uh, thank you to Fujers and Weasel for that, and also thank you to Sarah F. and Justini again for your tier list from last week. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so I need to plug my laptop in because it's very low, uh, so give me a second. Time for the card of the week. This week we have one of the S-tier cards from the tier list, the Shamrocket. Yeah, buddy. The three-mana guardian card, the leafy pinecone trick. Destroy a zombie that has four attack or more. Love this card. This card's great. Uh, We've talked about it a whole bunch on the show. When this came out, it was definitely one of those things that escalated guardian as a class entirely and made it much more of a force in the metagame. Totally. It gives a whole bunch of heroes a way to kill a wannabe hero, which they didn't have before. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there there is legitimately no downside to this card. I mean, like, your opportunity cost is that you're playing it instead of another card, but this is honestly one of the best cards you could even choose to play. So it hits a very wide uh, range of playable zombie creatures. Um, is pa- it way passes to... the defensive end test. Passes the defensive end test. It's It's just like exactly what you want to be doing and so you know there's it's it's rare that i would advocate like if you don't get to um if you don't get to the full playset of uh of an event card by the time the week is over that you spend gems on getting the um getting the remainder but i would not tell you no if you told me you were going to do that because shamrocket really is that good it's a leafy card, which means you can get it off of lily pad sometimes. So that's a, a fun surprise. Like, I I would never feel bad about getting a, a conjured shamrocket. Yeah, geez. So, so uh, um, there there are three pinecone cards right now, and uh, and two of them are incredible. And uh, I wonder how many we'll see before we get any kind of actual pinecone synergy, because there's some, like, anything that gets a chance to give you a pineclone sounds really powerful. Yes, it's a Pine Clone, uh, Shamrocket, and Sap Fling, which I think, um, just to, to go back a little bit to our previous segment, I think Sap Fling is kind of unnecessarily derided. I think that's kind of a cool uh, mid-rangey um, thing. But uh, but the, all that aside, um, yeah, Shamrocket is nuts. I, um, I, I will note that there are very few ways to conjure it. I think that Lilypad might actually be the only way. Uh, um, what about uh, Plucky Clover? Oh, okay, sure. All right, so there's plucky. All right, so right, right. My bad. So there's plucky clover, lily pad. Um, I guess it's a trick, so you could get it off sunstrike. Um, but like none of the ones that show up in decks that I play very often, it comes up. Like it's a, it's the obscure tribes, so you don't get it off like cosmic whatever. Um, you could get it, it from an unexpected gifts your opponent plays. You could get it from an unexpected gifts. You can't get it from um primal walnut which is like conjure a good card that's not quite good enough to include in your deck is what that says um that's uh uh, shamrocket does not make that cut off but yeah i mean like so on the flip side if you're a zombie player you got to know that if your opponent is a guardian player um and uh they're not their their user icon is not the little uh baby walnut with a binky 
um, they are probably including Shamrocket in their deck, and that um, chances are whatever the first big thing you play is, it's going to get killed by Shamrocket. So you want to you want to make sure to stagger out your threats and not just like go all in on your first most powerful thing. Yeah, or make sure to. If you have a, a hand that has a bunch of big things, resign yourself to the fact that, oh, this first Moonwalker I play is going to eat a Shamrocket. And honestly, a, a Moonwalker eating a Shamrocket is like one of the best things that could possibly get eaten by Shamrocket. Moonwalker is just like, the thing that makes Shamrocket is so good is that it is a three mana play that trades with a lot of stuff that costs way more than three mana. And so if you can get them to blow a Shamrocket on your three mana play, you are like, you should be overjoyed by that. Yeah, it's way better than having it fall to something that you've, like, evolved and fusioned. Yeah, you know, and just, like, some kind of some kind of giant creature that doesn't have an end of the battlefield power like Trickster, you know, or, or doesn't have a punishing uh, death trigger like Gas Giant, something like Wannabe Hero or, or you know, any of those guys. Um, if it dies just to Shamrocket, then the player who played the Shamrocket is ahead. Yeah. Um, also, for things that uh, that have an effect when they're damaged, like Garg throwing Garg, if you can kill one of those for the Sham Rocket, you're feeling awesome. Yes, that is a um, that is a way in which those giant things that have uh, hurt triggers leave themselves vulnerable. If Sham Rocket is killing like a deep sea gargantuar or something like that, that's basically just like kind of a big dumb idiot. Um, then then the Sham Rocket player is feeling really good. If they're if it's killing a creature who has a lot of mana invested in its um, triggered ability like nurse guard you're feeling great um and if it's just something that like just barely gets over the line like moonwalker um then the zombie player can feel good but otherwise the plant player is going to get the better deal of the shamrocket like pretty much 100 percent of the time yeah definitely would recommend again get as many as you can for sure it's time for us to do a little bit of listener mail and then a class warfare so uh, we have a ton of listener mail right now, and uh, so we're we have officially reached real podcast status, where we have more listener mail than we can get to in a single episode or two. Uh, so if uh, you've got a waiting piece of listener mail, please don't feel bad. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. Keep sending more, etc., so forth. Shroom for two podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, indeed. But uh, we have another uh, piece of mail here from listener Breadbear, who says, "Hey, Muck and Taylor, this is just a small piece of mail rather than a giant one." I want to express how I think of the more inconsistent cards like seedlings or others used in RNGs decks, and I agree with almost everything you said, except for I don't have a name for cards like this. I describes four kinds of card ranks: must have like Con Man, build around me's like Doctor Space Time, uh, meme cards like Plucky Clover and Electric Blueberry, um, and then why do I exist cards like Raw Zombie and the Dinky One Ones. But then in addition, he's like, where does um, where does seedling and stuff fall? Like, like things that are just kind of nothing but randomness while paired with a very low rate. And uh, I agree that there is definitely a lot of randomness that's packed into some of those low power level cards. Um, Seedling specifically is a basic card. So it's like clearly designed to be in front of new players. And the sort of way that this email describes how an experienced player would think about cards calls to mind um, something from uh, my game design hero and yours, Mark Rosewater, the lead designer of Magic, who um, has you know pretty much an unlimited supply of, of things to say about uh, why cards are the way they are. And um, 
Mark Rosenwater has a podcast uh, called Magic the Gathering Drive to Work, where he said, hmm, I want a podcast, but I don't have any time to do it. I know, I'll just turn my iPhone on it and put it on the dashboard of my car and pontificate while I drive to work. Um, and actually, and manages to, to say some pretty cool stuff while doing it. And uh, one of the very first episodes of that podcast was was called Bad Cards. And it's basically like, everybody thinks that there are bad cards. And there are some certainly bad cards. We designed some cards to be quite bad. So why do we do that? Um, I won't spoil all of it. There's some articles alongside of it that, that sort of go into more detail. But the idea is that you need skill level challenges, no matter how skilled your player is. So like someone who is basically just knows how to read and then picks up your game. You need them to be able to get little incremental victories along the way and understanding, oh, hey, this one-mana 1-1 one, one that doesn't do anything is worse than this two-mana 2-3 two, that doesn't do anything, and I should play that instead of this. Or, you know, oh, this one-mana 1-1, one, one, I might put it in my deck because it's a sports card, and so I'm going to cut this one-mana 1-1 one, one that's not a sports card and then include some more sports stuff. You know, like those sorts of decisions an experienced card game player could make in their sleep, but for someone who's never had to do it before, you need to be able to get some reps in to understand why you'd make a decision like that. Yeah, early on when you're just starting a card game, you know, obviously you need to have a collection of cards big enough to make a deck, but... Pretty much any kind of card game, video game, you know, be it PVZ Heroes or Hearthstone or even the Yu-Gi-Oh games, will give you some real garbage cards straight along. And one of the good feelings you get early on is when you get, like, that first booster pack or whatever, and you get some stuff that is demonstrably better than the junkier cards you're running in your starter deck. Like, early on when I opened Morning Glory, I saw, okay, this is a... a a one-mana 2-2 two -two that can do a little something extra, and I can see it's clearly better than this one-mana 1-1, one -one, so I could stop running those and run the Morning Glory instead. And, like, little incremental feel-goods like that are really important early on to motivate you to keep collecting more cards and building up your collection. Um, and then to, to sort of close this out and get more into the class warfare, to talk about Seedling specifically. Seedling is, I think really good at its job. So Seedling's the two-mana zero-one. Uh, this is a start, start of turn. This transforms into a random plant that costs six or less. And it's a basic. So this is supposed to be in front of new players. It teaches new players about triggered abilities. So it says, here's when the trigger happens. Here's what happens when it does. You understand that if this thing dies before then, it won't happen. You understand that you have to protect it because it's clearly very fragile. Mm -hmm. And you also get exposure to a bunch of cards that you otherwise would never get to see. So, like, that's part of why I love Conjuration so much is because you get to play with cards you don't own. And Seedling is like, you know, it's like baby's first combo. You know, like my first dream to live is like that you get to protect your Seedling and then it turns into some nasty thing. You know, maybe the nastiest thing you've ever seen up to that point is like a laser bean. And so you get a 4-6 with strike and you're like, holy crap, this is a million times better than anything I have in my deck. Um, and so Seedling, being like goofy and random, gets to introduce new players to the sort of wider world of goofy randomness that exists within the Kabloom class. And, you know, if that's what speaks to them as a player, then that's, that's one th more thing for them to sink their teeth into in this game. This also uh -huh. feels very strongly like a card that was created especially early on in the game's development as like a, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a card that did this thing? Yeah, it would. Let's do it. 
and now it's just out there forever for anyone who wants to use it. And, like, just because nobody runs it doesn't mean that the card shouldn't go away, and, like, it doesn't necessarily need to get buffed or anything like that. Like, it's just, it's okay that it exists as this vector for, like you said, a, a lesson on keeping things alive early and getting to see cool stuff you wouldn't otherwise get access to. Yeah, and so to carry that into the rest of the Kabloom class for the class Warfare, the first thing that I noticed about this, and you, I believe, noticed as well, is that the overwhelming majority of the randomness in the plant side is packed into the Kabloom class. Like, if you search for the word random, every card you find is Kabloom except for two stragglers. Not counting Conjuration, of course. Everybody gets a little bit of Conjuration. But, like, so just cards that say random. We have Reincarnation, Seedling, Wild Berry, Mushroom Grotto, uh, Punish Room, Petalmorphosis, Molecale, Transfiguration, and Electric Blueberry. And then there's only two other cards that have the word random in the text box on the entire plant side. So, like, this is very clearly a core thing to the Kabloom class identity and uh, is, as such, important to introduce to new players in common cards. Yeah, and also of note that random, in this case, has a lot of different uh, roles in these various cards. Like, there's things that randomly transform into other stuff, or things that randomly do damage to a target, or or randomly spawn in a specific... In a, or, or spawn in a random lane. Like, all of those are under Kabloom's domain. Yeah, which... Is is a is a good reason to have randomness be a mechanic in your game because you can apply it to different kinds of stuff. Like if if all you're thinking about is stat buffs, stat buffs can only go on creatures or, or you know without without very weird rules contortions. Um, and uh, randomness can kind of be applied to many different aspects of of game um, mechanics. Another big thing that Kabloom has going for it is just doing damage, kind of like how the crazy classes, the damage class for the zombie side. The yeah, they get the bloom the class. Yeah, they they get berry blast of probably the, the most importance and yeah, best burn spell in the game. I would say yeah, one of the best cards out there. And also stuff like uh, like a sizzle, which my my feelings on sizzle are weird in that like I remember seeing this very early on back when my only solar hero was solar flare and also like thinking why would anyone run this when also Squash was available before mm-hmm. I realized that, like, oh, yeah, there's Kabloom heroes that don't also have Solar of Guards, and in that case, then Sizzle is all they got. But they also get, you know, even bigger things like Cherry Bomb, one of the cards I remember the most from the original game. Yeah, for sure. Very powerful. <laughs> Dropping a Cherry Bomb into a 3x3 three three that's, like, packed with zombies from, like, one of the waves in, in regular PvZ is just, like, watch them all explode. That's just so fun to do. Um, it's pretty satisfying in this game, too, taking out, like, half a field of sports guys or what have you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, beyond just spells to deal damage, there's a lot of individual things that either ping the player or go at creatures. So, you know, obviously the top of that heap is Colonel Corn. Yeah, I also um, I also had crowd control down as one of the things Kabloom is very good at, which is oh, yeah. basically this, a- where Kabloom is much more well-suited to take out a bunch of little things at the same time rather than... Uh, than one big thing, like it doesn't really have a removal spell geared at that, but it's much better at taking out an entire field at once. Yeah, and in Hearthstone parlance, uh, that's called an AoE these days, where it's like direct damage but to a wider field. You know, one of my favorite examples of that being Lava Guava, um, the Galactic Gardens five mana trick that's deal two to a zombie here and next and next door make a hot lava, and so that was just like. 
like before you could include hot lava in your deck as a card and with um fireweed and stuff like you know doing that and then playing like a hibernating berry on it or something you know those just like lots of fun stuff to do with that yeah uh tangentially kabloom also has the most environments of any plant color in that it has a couple of straight up environment cards but it also has stuff like lava guava and fireweed to give them even more sources of environments yeah that is for sure it also gets uh token creatures um, so that kind of comes uh, alongside uh, having mushrooms as a core class, but it also has, you know, like pair of pears and shroom for two and other such things, you Mush- know, like mushroom grotto, mushroom grotto, you know, like the making little tiny stuff to eat, to act as an ablative shield or to act as like, you know, do like a berry blast or not berry blast, a uh, berry angry where all your plants get extra power or to or turn pro- them into pine clones. Or turn them into pine clones or crow magnolia or whatever. Um, this is like the go wide class in addition to the burn class, uh, which makes it very effective at being aggressive, uh, given that those are two of the things that you really want to be doing. There's a couple of different routes you can go if you're playing a Kabloom hero in that, okay, you can make a mushroom deck, which, you know, awesome and self-explanatory. You can make a berry deck, which is, a, you know, a little more long game and still very uh, Kabloom focused. But you could also use Kabloom as a secondary color and only include stuff like Berry Blast and Fireweed. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it works. It's one of those few classes that works well as a primary or a secondary one for deck composure, which is very impressive in my mind. Yeah, and one of the ways that it manages to do that is that it, it's got a few strong players in pretty much whatever your angle is. So, for Burn, we've already talked about that. For aggressive stuff, we've already talked about that with, you know, stuff like um, uh, Velociradish and Shroom for Two and whatever. Um, But then it's also got a handful of cards that are very, very good at doing control things. So uh, you've got Grapes of Wrath as, like, a great finisher. You've got... Dandelion um, King. Dandelion King as a a big haymaker. You've got Banana Launcher, which is an excellent combo enabler for... um, for repeat moss and is also just like sit there, protect it, draw cards, kill small creatures, eventually slam your big finisher. Um, you know, like there, there are many Kabloom cards that add to a strategy like that as well. And so, you know, Kabloom pretty much has tools to do whatever you want. Also has uh, a, a big chunk of the things that do damage directly to the zombie hero. Like, as you mentioned, Grapes of Wrath, but also stuff like Sonic Bloom and, of course, Astro Shroom, which uh, oh, anyone yeah. who plays the game now is very familiar with how uh, impressive that little 1-1 one, one is. Yeah, and the the legendary cards within Kabloom are interesting because they kind of run the spread of levels of, like, pushed power level versus, you know, versatility. And so, you know, Colonel Corn we mentioned as a really great one. But then it's also got stuff like Gloom Shroom and Reincarnation, which, like, Gloom Shroom is, like, okay, that's, like, a tribal thing. It's, like, meant to be the capstone on top of a tribal deck. But it's not, like, super powerful, whereas Reincarnation is just kind of, like... I mean, you're really playing a 36-card deck, and then just some other weird stuff just kind of happens sometimes. Um, you know, and I, I... That really appeals to me, but it's it's just, like... It's a very different philosophy as far as what a Legendary card is supposed to do. Um, and so, you know, I find the... Find the Kabloom class interesting for that reason. Yeah, they really run the gambit of uh, all the different things Kabloom has going for it, either dealing with tokens or mushrooms or randomness or AOE. Just as a side note, I've had a Kabloom hero as my 
one of my uh, 5x multipliers for pretty much the last month. So I've been playing a lot of uh, that Captain Combustible Mushroom deck from uh, from a while back. That deck's still really good, by the way. Uh, Gloomshroom works wonderfully with the uh, uh, Time to Shine superpower. Oh yeah, I bet. Jeez. Yeah. So what else? Um, we've we touched on the tribes. They don't have really a lot of flowers. It's mostly um, berries and mostly, mushrooms. Mostly berries and mushrooms with like a little bit of of stragglers. Um, some fruits. There's definitely fruits. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a lot of different tribes, stuff like animal and flower and and such. And but it is very much the the mushroom color and very much the berry color. And oh yeah, also it's the only antihero uh, plant color. Oh yeah, yeah. That's definitely that's a, a a good keyword that that um is pretty much entirely within this class's domain. There's only three antihero plant cards, which I was very surprised to find upon looking up. To just think about, like, thematically what's going on in Plants vs. Zombies. Like, the zombies are trying to, like, when there's no plants in a zombie lane, the zombies are happy because then they walk into your house and eat your brains. Whereas, like, when there's no zombies in your plant lanes, your plants kind of don't have anything to do. So it's less thematic that the plants would be more scary if there was nothing blocking it. Uh, Whereas with the zombies, that is what you want. And so I could see it being just kind of, like, marginalized for that reason as well. Yeah, Poison Ivy, thinking about it thematically, it does not make a lot of sense as a a thing that would affect the hero more than than a, just like a regular zombie. Because like Poison Ivy itself, you know, it has that connotation of, oh yeah, this is this is something that will irritate you if you touch this. Not really like a like the kind of thing you would think of of oh this this thing will like irritate you if you don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much everything there is to say. Oh, there's a there's a, a very shallow theme of copying. Um, really, nobody else gets to do that. Um, but you know, there's um, uh, Imitator and Pair Paradise. Both are kind of about getting a second copy of a thing that you play. Um, and you know, I could see that being some future design space. Like certainly, Hearthstone is all about like add a copy of a creature you control to your hand. You know, like there's a tons of cards like that. And um, you know, if something like that were to go into PBZ, it would probably, for that reason, it would be in uh, Kabloom if it wasn't deemed like a sufficiently like controlly card to be in like a class like Solar or Smarty. Um, and just a quick rundown as far as like things they don't do very well. You know, this is not one of the colors that gets amphibious cards. They right. they have nothing to do. Like they have no answer for gravestones, which is. One Correct. of the best ways to counter a Kabloom hero, you know, providing it's not Spadao or, or you know, a nightcap running a, a bounce-heavy set. Uh, they don't get armor. They don't really get a lot of card draw either. Yeah, there's a little bit of conjure, but not a whole bunch. This is much more about getting uh, high value from the cards you're running. So you got stuff like Blueisberry, which can sometimes take out two cards for the cost of one. Or uh, the new one, uh, Shelf Mushroom, which also does uh, right. an extra two damage when, when procced. Stat-wise, you know, you're looking at either symmetrical creatures or creatures with higher attack than health. There's a few notable exceptions to that, uh, like uh, Transfiguration, Electric Blueberry, whatever. But, like, even some of the ones that, that naturally have less health than they have, or le- naturally have less attack than health, um, have some way to get to reverse that. So, you know, Poison Ivy... Um, invasive species, which you don't see very often, but gets, you know, a buff to its power when it's an environment. Antihero stuff, Velociradish, you know, those things all buff their power and not their health. 
uh, time to make our crafting recommendations. Uh, so we do a card for new players to craft in uh, super rare event cards and legendary. Uh, and my super rare card to pick is Astro Shroom. Uh, one mana, one one with Bullseye from Galactic Gardens. Uh, it says whenever you play a plant, do one damage to the zombie hero. This is the centerpiece of the cycle cap deck that uh, everybody loves or hates right now, depending on who you ask. Yeah. It's just a very good way to get in some cheap free pings to your opponent. Uh, and when you put it on a Planet of the Grapes, um, kind of everything goes nuts. Uh, and so there's very little downside to playing it, um, and it goes well in lots of strong tribes. So I would recommend that. Don't think of this as a card that only Nightcap can utilize. This is a very high-end deck, even... This is a very high-end card, even without Planet of the Grapes. Like, I, in my Captain Combustible Mushroom deck, this definitely pulls a lot of weight. It's great as, a like, a mid-game combo. It also works as a, a really good way to get, like, the last two damage you need if your opponent has a high block meter. Just a, a solid choice all around. And for my super rare, I am picking Fireweed, the 2-mana 3-3 three, three flower root that says, uh, when you play it on the ground, make a hot lava here. And this card is just a lot of value for for costing only two. Getting something with three attack and three health on turn two is a lot of value. It will almost certainly survive whatever you put it up against. Um, it also works very well defensively if you want a way to get rid of your opponent's environments without having to weigh your deck down with environment cards. Like, the fact that it mm -hmm. is creature and environment all in one, costing only two, is why I pick it. Totally. No arguments from me here. Um, all right, my uh, pick for event cards is Blooming Heart, uh, which we got not too long ago, but, you know, people will hopefully listen to this show in the future. I hear it's an A-tier card. Uh, yes, I do hear it is an A-tier card. Uh, it's a one-mana 2-2 two -two flower plant. Uh, it says when this deals damage, it gets plus one attack. And that's good. Obviously, it's an aggressive card, but um, one of the things that sort of uh, holds it uh, above other things like that is that it doesn't need to connect with the player to get the buff. It gets the buff even if it hits a uh, one-power thing in combat or a zero-power thing in combat. Uh, and so it's just always going to grow. Um, and so this is a card that has a very high floor. Um, it's never going to go completely crazy and win you the game on its own unless your opponent is just asleep at the wheel. But um, it's very predictable. It's very good at getting you a pretty discreet amount of, uh, amount of damage in and value for trade stuff. Um, so I pick Blooming Heart. It's just a good, solid aggro card. Alright, and the event card I will pick is the High Voltage Current, the 1-mana one 1-1 one one that gets uh, one extra attack when another berry does damage, and when you play it, you conjure a berry card. And uh, I'm picking this for a couple of reasons. One, because if you are a new player, you should seek out conjure cards more than others, because it gives you a chance to put something better than you have in your collection in your hand right away, like if you don't have Sergeant Strongberries or whatever... There's a chance that this card can get you one, and, you know, even if it just gets you a berry blast, that is still wonderful. It also combos really well with uh, with the other, other berry stuff, anything that hits more than one target at once. So if you have, like, strawberry in or, oh, yeah. or anything like that, it can get a bunch of attack really quickly. Uh, try and play it in lane four whenever you can, so it can reap the value of whatever attacks beforehand. Uh, just... Uh, a solid card overall. It, it took me a while to warm up to this, but uh, just a 1-1 one, one that draws you a card. You know, that's a good card in Hearthstone. It should be a good card in PPC Heroes, too, I think. Just think about it that simply, and, and you'll be fine. 
Yeah, if you've ever been uh, irritated in Hearthstone by someone playing Babbling Book, uh, this is the Babbling Book of Hearthstone or of uh, PBZ. Babbling Berry. Babbling Berry, nice. Um, okay, and then as far as legendaries, uh, my pick for uh, Kabloom Legendary to craft is Colonel Corn. Uh, from the base premium set, it is an 8-mana 6-6 six, six corn that, when it comes into play, deal 4 damage to each zombie. That uh, Talking about Hearthstone parallels, this is an 8-mana 6-6 six, six flame strike, and man oh man, is that as good as it sounds. It pretty much just wipes the floor with whatever it is that's on the board. You can like really, really live the dream by playing it inside a Venus flytrap planet, but you don't even need to do that in order for this to be good enough to pretty much win you the game on its own. Uh, something I haven't talked about in a while is the quadrant theory, the like ability to evaluate cards based on when they're good. Um, this is pretty much the best card in the game at winning you and getting you ahead in situations where you're behind. Um, you know, Nurse Gargantuar is so good because it takes you a position where you're about to die and makes you not about to die. Colonel Corn does the exact same thing, but instead of gaining life, it just kills all their stuff. Uh, so, you know, A-plus endorsement from me for Colonel Corn. Yeah, there are plenty of situations where I'm up against a Kabloom hero, and I'm thinking, okay, I got this on lockdown. As long as they don't play Colonel Corn right now, oh, crap, there he is. And just my entire field is wiped out. I have, like, one card left in my hand, and, and there's no coming back from that. A, a very good pick. I'm I'm going to go with Pine Clone, the uh, tried-and-true premium card, the 4-mana 3-3 three, three that turns all of your plants into 3-attack, three 3-health three Pine Clones. This was a scourge of the meta for a long time, back before Galactic Gardens came out. Back before, back before it was legendary. Yeah, it's true. This used to be a super rare, and it was uh, one of the best values out there, and uh, in a lot of fry em old budget decks, for sure. And it's still really good. It uh, plays really well with a lot of the staple Kabloom cards, like Shroom for Two, just being able to turn little cheap things into... And the three threes is great, and the zero mana one one with team up is also a great friend with Pine Clone. Like this, this works really well with a low end deck, being able to take a lot of little wimpy cheap creatures and turn them into a field big enough to win you the game. Like, Definitely, like, this this go ahead. This card is why Mushroom Grotto got buffed up in cost because playing Mushroom Grotto for two and then Shroom for two on that on turn three, and then turn four pine cloning was too much too fast and had to get tweaked down some. Yeah, and speaking of Mushroom Grotto, I've never been able to wrap my head around the mechanical interaction in terms of, like, timing and stuff between pine clone and Mushroom Grotto. Like, if you play a pine clone and you have some stuff on a Mushroom Grotto, um, your, your team turns into pine clones, then... Uh, Mushroom Grotto triggers again, uh, and you get a you get a token, and then one of the other pine clones that you made will trigger and turn the newly created thing into a pine clone. But if then that also causes Mushroom Grotto to trigger again, then the final token will not turn into a pine clone. And just like for the life of me, I cannot draw that on a piece of paper and have it make sense to me. Um, but you don't have to have it make sense to you if it causes you to immediately win the game, as is often the case by slamming a pine clone on a crowded board. Yeah, a field full of three attack, three health things is really hard for the zombie hero to deal with unless they have, like, Supernova Garg or Extinction Event or something like that. There's a lot of... Or lo the new sports guy. New sports Ooh, yeah, guy would push right, you pretty bad. Chum champ. Pine clone is weird in that it is the best card to benefit from Molokale, another legendary... Yeah. In that the uh, the counters that stop Pine Clone, like if you turn all your Pine Clones into 1-1s one or whatever, 
then that doesn't matter because Molecale will just turn them into brand new five costs. But uh, if, yeah. you're, if you got to pick one, pick Pinecone. Yeah, uh, to- totally agreed on that. Um, something that I think that would um, kind of help that type of effect get better, um, because Pineclone, while really good, is like nowhere near as good as it used to be. Um, the the zombies got Evolutionary Leap, you know, the two-mana evolve-a-thing draw card, and um, the uh, the only equivalent of that on the plant side is Petal Morphosis, which costs four and turns a random and turns a thing into a random anything, so you don't even know if you're going to get an upgrade, and you don't get any benefit of upgrading the thing before. Um, and, like, I think just the exact card, uh, evolve-a-thing draw card for two on the plant side would... Um, would make just like a value pine clone rather than like a you know haymaker pine clone uh, be like a much more viable strategy. All right, and lastly, let's pick our favorite Kabloom heroes. Uh, you go first. I'm taking Solar Flare, no question. Uh, she is one of my favorite heroes in the game. Uh, I believe she was the first hero that I unlocked after getting Green Shadow and Super Brains, so probably the one I've logged the most hours with. I love her sunburn superpower that gives you extra sun for the rest of the game so you can get out your big stuff a turn earlier. Uh, the removal spells of of solar complement berry blast very nicely. Um, the, the ramping complements the, the big heavy hitters like uh, like the like Colonel Corn and Dandelion Cub really well. Just and her superpowers are all pretty reliable, though the mushroom one is not great in every deck she has, but if you're running a mushroom deck or a pine clone deck, this is totally fine. I am going to pick Captain Combustible, the uh, Kabloom and Megagro hero, and uh, part of why I'm doing that is that uh, it is very much the combo hero, um, you know, so uh, doing combo stuff with either um, Repeat Moss or Podfighter. Uh, or some such thing. Uh, now there's a uh, uh, Sergeant Strongberry combo as well. But, um, you know, doing those kinds of combo things is something that many experienced card game players, like, really like to do. They like to kind of find the, the cracks around the edges of the game and break it by putting a crazy combo together. Um, and that's just a really fun itch to scratch that playing a lot of board and video games, I kind of can't find any place besides a CCG like this. And uh, so I'm glad that this game provides some opportunity to do that without, like, letting the combo be so good that it's the only thing that would be ever able to win you a game. Um, I think that the combos in Captain Combustible decks are at, like, a very medium power level. Um, and so it's just a very safe playground to try to come up with a convoluted infinite combo. Uh, and so I think that that's really neat. Hey, remember that time I beat you in the budget tournament on a Captain Combustible combo where I did 18 damage to you in one turn? I do. I remember that because I made a dumb mistake and then you had the exact combination of cards to like completely rip my face off in one turn. Yeah, Captain Combustible is good like that. I, I like that they, the hero that is based off of a Torchwood is the best at combos and buffing other stuff. Like I really like that thematically and yeah, for like, sure. that's a good overlap of theme and, and mechanics. Yeah, uh, so Captain Combustible is good. I mean, but they're all good. Kabloom is so good that, like, there's pretty much no Kabloom hero that sucks. Like, Spadow is really amazing. Nightcap's really amazing. You know, like, it's I'm I'm interested to see some more uh, plant heroes so that we can get some more um, mechanical differentiation happening. Um, you know, like, I, I would love to see kind of maybe a, you know, Solar Flare Aggo is really good and Solar Flare Control is really good. And so, like, I would wonder what kind of Kabloom hero would we need to see in order to, like, stratify that a little bit more to make like solar flare the 
is the more controlly one or the more aggro one. Um, maybe that's why they've never done it because that's just really hard to do. But yeah, I could see like a something with Captain Combustible's colors being more about swarming the field and buffing stuff, like making a bunch of little creatures and tokens instead of uh, instead of giving things big attack and doing a bunch of damage. Yeah, Combustible's uh, superpowers are kind of all around. Voltroning up a single big thing, you know, so you got a plus two, plus two, you know, a thing does a bonus attack, a thing gets plus four, plus oh, and that's like basically all of those things say repeat moss, repeat moss, repeat moss, um, and then maybe something that's, you know, a little bit more, bit more of a go wide thing, or maybe, maybe interacts with a sort of a less prominent tribe like Leafy or something like that might, um, might be neat, but yeah, Kabloom. Pretty hard to go wrong doing Kabloom stuff no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it's a really good color. I don't know if I think it's the best color as far as plants go, but there's definitely a lot of really awesome stuff in here that, like, the fact that Berry Blast exists it is such a big shakeup as far as how zombies play against Kabloom Heroes, because yeah. that is something you're almost certainly going to get hit with a lot. Yeah, and, um, and uh, as a Magic player, the two kind of most prominent powerful burn spells that that actually have a chance of getting reprinted are one mana deal two and two mana deal three um and you know to see the zombies get one and the plants get the other is cool and to see the plants get the more expensive but more powerful one is uh is fun to see and then the the plants then later got a banana bomb as well so both of them oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, da- burn spells that that also go to the dome is what i mean by that so ah, like okay. there's in magic there's shock which is just two damage anywhere and then um the Two da- two mana deal three has a million names, but like that gets reprinted all the time. Like a, a two damage two mana three damage spell that can go to the dome is like a dangerous thing to have in card games. And they decided to put it in. They decided to give it to plants, and I think that that's neat. One more thing before we go this week. Uh, last week we put out a poll asking which feels worse: losing a game because your opponent rolled a one on the block meter, or being denied a win because you rolled a three on the block meter. And uh, you came out there and vote, and just about two to one was the margin. Two to one of you find losing because you rolled a one on the block meter the worst feeling, which I understand because that means that you lose and the game is over. Whereas if you roll, if if you roll a three, the game continues and yeah, you might still win. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I, I voted for uh, losing because they rolled a one. You know, that's like. You know, you got to cross your fingers and and hope you get to keep going, and then you don't, and so that's a bummer. That's, yeah, to me, it feels more like I lost something. I voted rolling the three because one time I queued up against uh, Tryhard, the Twitch streamer, and I had him on the ropes, and I had seven damage in the amphibious lane, and rolled a three, and I went on to lose, and I'm still thinking about that today. Oh, bummer! You got tryharded. Yeah. But uh, stay tuned for more polls in the future, and thank you to those of you who voted. And if you would like to find other ways to give us feedback, you can get in touch with us at shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com, and you can check out shroomfor2.com for all of our old episodes and some old outdated decks that we need to update. Yeah, it's um, I want to I kind of revamp that part of the website, you know, where it's, it's kind of like, it's just kind of some posts. I want there to maybe be like a gallery, like a tag gallery where you can say like, Decks from this guy, decks from this class. You there know, are things. tags. They're just not visible to people who visit the site anywhere, and that is yeah, really confusing me. That has to do with our theme. Um, I think I think that our Squarespace theme like doesn't expose that. But I think that there's like other pre-baked Squarespace pages 
that are more of an image gallery or at least more of the kind of image gallery that I'm talking about. Um, I don't really know, but um, that's something to investigate later. Yeah. All that and more next time on Shroom for Two. And until then, I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.